Hello and welcome to the CU20 podcast. We're a group of young Christians who live in Montreal and meet together to discuss faith in Jesus Christ and following Him in the world today. We're looking at the moment at a series on the fruit of the Spirit found in the book of Galatians chapter 5. Today we look at the fruit kindness and goodness. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Okay. So I wanted to start tonight by trying something a little bit weird or different. Um, I don't know if it's going to work, but uh, I know that a lot of you have experienced this already because we've done it in church a few times. And I, when I was uh, living in Zimbabwe, a lot of the African churches I went to would do this like really regularly, um, which is this kind of call and response thing where I say God is good and you respond by saying all the time. And then I say all the time, and you respond by saying God is good. So I want to, let's try this. Can you guys please take yourselves off of mute um, and be ready? And then I'm going to say it, and then you're going to respond. And I I just want to hear what it's going to sound like. I don't know if this is going to work or not, but take yourself off of mute. uh, I'll give you a couple seconds to do that, uh, and then we're going to give this a shot. All right? All right, you should be all off mute by now. So here we go. God is good. All the time. All the time. All the time. God is good. Hey, that was pretty good. Let's try it one more time. That was the second time was way better than the first time. All right, here we go. One, two, three. God is good. All the time. All the time. God is good. Awesome. I love that. That was really cool. All right, you can put. Should we do the Don Moen song now? <laughs> no, I don't know if that would work so well. Uh, it could be a bit of a, a mess. But that sounded really cool. Thanks, guys. Thank you for indulging me in that. Uh, there's um, something that is important and I think powerful in dwelling on simple, sturdy truths. I love dwelling on the simple truth that is still so comforting. And the truth is that God is good. And we, I think, so often uh, jump very quickly to other things, uh, but it, it bears, uh, there's an importance about settling ourselves on just thinking about the simple truth that God is good. And a simple truth like that uh, can really give a great sense of warmth and comfort in a strange world. And we are living in a strange world, and any sense of comfort is, is really needed at the moment. And so that is something that I want to draw your attention to as we begin tonight, that God is good. And that small little word good can, can really pack a punch of meaning and of, of, of richness when we just think about the fact that God is good. And the goodness of God is, is a foundational truth upon which other things are built. It's an axiom in that sense. Like it's something that underpins all of what we know about theology, uh, branching out from that, the, the, the fundamental reality that God is good. And the goodness of God uh, can be affirmed in simply asking uh, a question. And I think it's a question that's simple, but a lot of people might not really get it at the first. And the question is, can God do anything? Can God do anything? And the, the response that most people would kind of knee-jerk reaction towards is, well, yes, God can do anything. God is God. But actually, the answer that the Bible gives is no. God cannot do anything. There are certain things that God cannot do. For instance, God cannot sin. God cannot lie. God cannot change. There are things about God that are limited in that way. And this points to the fact that His goodness 
is a fundamental truth of who He is. He is not more powerful than He is good. He is good at His core. And because of that, He is limited by His goodness. And that is actually a very, very comforting truth. To know that God cannot change. To know that God cannot lie. God cannot sin. That's actually something quite comforting because it means that He is absolutely, completely trustworthy. He is totally trustworthy. And His intentions towards me are always going to be good. He has good intentions towards me. His kindness and His goodness are something that is on display all the way throughout the Bible and affirmed time after time after time in the Scriptures. And one of the most famous passages that we have of the goodness of God uh, is, is in Psalm 23. And Psalm 23 is known to, to practically everyone. It's a beautiful psalm. Uh, but it's one that just pours out the goodness of God. And so as we're kind of getting into it for tonight, I thought it'd be cool if we could read Psalm 23 together. Uh, so if you have your Bible, please bring it out, uh, and I'm going to read it to you. Psalm 23, it's only uh, six, ver six verses long, so it's, it's really easy to, to read together. Uh, but bring out your Bible, and let's read Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for You are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's a beautiful, rich, amazing display of God's goodness and His kindness towards us in this. And one of the words uh, that it appears in verse 6 is uh, the word love. Uh, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And that word love is an actually a really beautiful Hebrew word. It's the word hesed. Hesed, H-E-S-E-D, if you wrote it in English. And hesed uh, appears all the way throughout the Bible. And it's sometimes, uh, it's translated love, as it is here. It's also translated faithfulness in some places, uh, loving kindness, loyalty, mercy, compassion, kindness. It's this rich, beautiful word that applies in so many different contexts to speak about this overwhelming sense of generosity of spirit and mercy that God has towards us. This, his intention of good towards us is really uh, poured out from this passage as well. And He provides good things for us. And He provides good things, as that passage uh, points out, even when it's difficult to find good things. You know, the idea of green pastures leads me besides quiet waters. I mean, this is a shepherding analogy, and it's a shepherding analogy in a, a, a geographical place that was arid and dry. Uh, finding green pastures, finding still waters was not that easy to find for a shepherd, and yet God provides these things. Even as we walk through the valley of death, you know, His rod and staff, they comfort me. Even in difficult times, God is there to comfort us and bring goodness to us. And that's an amazing truth, that it's powerful enough to come into our lives even when times are difficult and to, to break in in that way. And in this passage, God is referred to as shepherd. He is our shepherd. 
And that's a pretty intimate language, being led by a shepherd, being corralled and brought together. Uh, so it's a, there's, there's a sense of relationship there that we have with him. We're not simply uh, to follow a path, we're to follow a person, we're to follow our shepherd, we're to be guided along by not simply teaching, but by his loving arm and embrace. And that's what the relationship with God feels like. It feels like he is guiding us and he's with us in it, leading us through it as well. And my friends, that's a beautiful truth that we need to hold on to as Christians. It is absolutely our birthright. And when I say birth, I mean rebirth. Uh, our rebirthright uh, to lay claim to this relationship that we have. You know, we're not in uh, a type of relationship. We're not in a religion that's simply about moral conformity or about uh, adherence to a certain set of principles uh, that will gain enlightenment through. We are in a, a, a religion that speaks of a relationship with our Creator, a relationship with our Savior, that He is our shepherd. And that's the relationship partly, at least He has with us. It's not fully defined by that, but it's a good way to start. Fun fact about the word shepherd, uh, the word pastor is actually also very similar uh, in sort of etymology to the word shepherd. And so, you know, when, when I'm your pastor, I'm also, you know, by extension, your shepherd. And I don't really have much experience in leading uh, other groups of animals, uh, but you guys are quite a handful. So thank you for, um, you know, herding you guys around is, is a fun part of my job. There's no substitute for this. We can't think of ways around uh, having a relationship with God that we think will satisfy in any way. Uh, this relationship which is born of the gospel is something that we need to lay claim of and, and it's partly the Spirit's job to bring this truth to bear on us and to birth within us this relationship with God as it says in Romans. You know, by Him we cry, Abba, Father. We have this familial relationship with God that we, we by extension cry out to Him as Father. And that's a wonderfully intimate idea. And that fills you. It's something that fills you and, and, and brings you up. And man, we live in a world that is so full of things that empty you. You know, our job can be so draining and our, so, some other uh, things that tax our time and, and take up our day can be so draining and the things that we, we chase after in this world can be so unsatisfying and, and there's so many stories about people that have reached the pinnacle of success and found it to be utterly wearisome or utterly uh, empty and devoid of, of any true satisfaction. And so it, it really pays, it, we need to pay attention considering we live in a world that we do. We need to pay attention to the fact that we are offered a filling by God. You know, I was uh, reading uh, the story of Pentecost today and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and that's, that's the, the idea. We are filled by God. And that filling is such an opposite to what we, can't, we always or often experience of an emptying of ourselves. Man, wouldn't you want that? Wouldn't you just, if you heard that there was something out there that filled you rather than emptied you, wouldn't that be something of great and you would really want to pay attention to what the, what's being offered there because that is something important to lay hold of in this world. And we are being offered the opportunity to be filled by God, to be filled with Him, to, be, to gain a relationship with Him. And that's a wonderful truth, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and that is the work of the Holy Spirit. As the, wor the Word fills us, sorry, as the Spirit fills us, 
we change as a result. He plants the seeds of these different fruit in our life, uh, this, this different outpouring of, of what, what He is desires to bring out of us in our life. He, he puts it down and then He is the one who pours water into it. I, I think there's going to be a lot of um, vegetation analogy, generally speaking, in my sermons for the next few weeks. I've taken up gardening again. And uh, it's really become somewhat of a passion of mine. Uh, and so please uh, be patient with all my <coughs> agricultural uh, <laughs> metaphors from this point on. But you know, the Holy Spirit plants the seeds of these different characteristics, these attributes, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. <clears throat> he plants these seeds in our heart. And then it's Him who waters it, Him who sustains it. And by His work, it grows as well. And so this relationship we have with God, given the God that it is God, God is good. <clears throat> excuse me. Given that God is is kind, that if we know Him, if we're in relationship with Him, if we are filled by Him, then we must, by extension, be kind and be good, just like He is as well. And those are the two fruit we are looking at tonight. I coupled them together because I know they have a lot of similarities to them. There, there is a bit of a difference, and I'll, I'll point that out later. But kindness and goodness sort of go hand in hand. And so we're going to look at them tonight, but realize at the start, again, like this is a work of the Holy Spirit that comes as a relationship that we have with God. And so we are to be filled by this God who is good, this God who is kind towards us. And then as an outflow of that, the work of the Holy Spirit is to bring us to places of kindness, to places of goodness in our life as well. Last week we heard from the Murphys uh, what patience was. And I think patience is in some ways the flip side of kindness. Because patience has a sense of passivity about it. Now I, I, that may be a bit wrong. But patience uh, I think typically can be seen as something quite passive. You're enduring, you're waiting, you're holding on. Uh, and then kindness is active. Patience is, is bearing something and kindness is going out and going out of your way to do something as well. And patience and kindness are coupled together uh, quite a few times in the Bible. One of the most famous ones is uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 13, 4, which says love is patient, love is kind. And, and I think they, they work well together, one being passive, one being active. But, but kindness by definition is when we go out into this world uh, where we, we help we encourage, we comfort, we serve. It's this extension of ourselves out into the world around us. <clears throat> and when I think about a good way to sum up kindness as a characteristic, I think a person who is really taking seriously the call of the golden rule, the golden rule being uh, do unto others as you would have them do to you, would be exhibiting a lot of kindness. Someone who is going out of their way to do to other people things that are good, things that are, are right and, and comforting and encouraging and uplifting, to go out and to do those things to another person, not simply to not do harm, but to actively do good. And that's what kindness <coughs> is. <coughs> Excuse me. If you want a, a really good um, Bible study, there's, there's two different uh, books of the Bible that I'm going to recommend you study tonight if you want to dig deeper into each of these two uh, characteristics, these two fruit of the Holy Spirit. If you want to learn more about kindness, I think a good book to study in the Bible would be the book of Ruth. Ruth is a beautiful story of kindness. It's the story of the kindness of Ruth 
initially, and then also the story of the kindness of Boaz as well. And really read that book alongside a, a commentary as well, because there's a lot of cultural bits and pieces and nuance in that book that you will totally go over your head unless you, you're listening to experts who have unpacked the culture. Uh, but when you read the book, it is really a story of kindness, and they're both beautiful examples to us as well. And when we think about kindness, it, we shouldn't think of it simply as actions, but as a character. We, we should, if it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit, be kind by nature. We have a characteristic of kindness about our lives, and so the point would not be list all the different ways that it, you know, it, we can be kind, and then we'd go and do those things. Kindness is so situational uh, that really it takes a certain character to do it consistently in life. We must be kind people, not simply seek to do kind things. And I know the the it's it's splitting hairs maybe at that point, but. What we should be interested in is developing a habit of kindness. And how do you know that you've developed a habit? Like I think, and this is generally true of all things, how do you know when something has become a habit to you? And I think you know that it's a habit when doing it seems more natural than not doing it. So, for example, exercising. You know that exercising has become a habit to you when the idea of actually going to do your exercises for the day is far, feels far more natural to you than just simply not doing them. And that's when you know it's developed into a habit. And kindness should become a habit to us, that when we see opportunities to be kind, it's far more natural for us to do them than to not do them. They almost just come up as instinct within us. And Jesus displays this as well. When you look through the Gospels, this is fascinating to me, when you look through the Gospels, it's really interesting to see how often stories come up that are interruptions into what Jesus Christ was doing. That Jesus will be going somewhere or doing something and something will come as an interruption to what he's doing. And the way he deals with it shows beautiful kindness. Some of the most well-known stories that Jesus Christ, that we know in the Gospels, uh, come as interruptions. Think of the woman who was suffering chronic bleeding and reaches out to touch Jesus, and uh, that was an interruption. He was on his way to heal, heal a young girl, uh, and, and she interrupts what he's doing. Uh, a lot of the healing stories, the healing of <clears throat> blind people or lepers and things like this, happen as interruptions. As Jesus is going on his way, he is interrupted by these people and yet he heals them. Uh, the story of the woman who anoints his feet, uh, it's an interruption. He's having a dinner and, and she interrupts him. And so often these interruptions are done by what people would consider the undesirables, those who you know society has outcast. And yet you see the way that Jesus deals with them. It's an interruption. It's by people who society would deem undesirable, and yet he always seems to have time for them. He always gives them his attention, gives them his help. And that, to me, speaks of a beautifully kind character. It also deeply convicts me, and I don't know if it does for you as well, because it convicts me because I hate interruptions. I absolutely hate interruptions. I want my day to go a certain way. And so, for instance, if I'm traveling on the metro <clears throat> and I'm headphones in, eyes down, 
I give off the vibe, don't interrupt me. Don't come and talk to me. I have no interest. I have no openness towards what, like anything else. And also when I, when I get, there's so many times in my life that I will walk past a situation or see a situation in which I have a thought within me, oh, that person could use some help. Or I wonder if there's anything I can do to help them. And I'll make an excuse. Usually it'll be, oh, I'm too busy. Or, oh, you know, not today for one reason or another. But I'll make an excuse to do nothing. And I'll walk away from a situation that I haven't done any harm to the person. But by ignoring them, I also haven't done anything kind. I haven't done anything that... Uh, would be exhibiting any kind of kindness or, or love towards them at all. And so I'm going to confess, I, I see that I have a long way to go in this regard, that I haven't really in fully at all developed the habit of kindness in my life because, yeah, it's not, it's not natural. It's not by instinct that I reach out to people to help them or if I, I see situations and I jump, jump to, to go and serve others. And, and that's a convicting thing for me as well. What was helpful to me in discovering um, what the definition of kindness, uh, I kind of rediscovered it today. Uh, I was pointed to the book of Colossians. And in Colossians chapter 3, there's two verses that, that kind of couple together, give us powerful motivations to be kind to others. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, the, the first verse we're going to look at is in verse 17. And it says this, <coughs> And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And what that means, like in the name of, if you think of, you know, just break that idea down. If you're doing something on, in someone else's name, you're doing something on their behalf. And, and really what that means is you're acting on, in, on behalf of Jesus. And so... What would Jesus do in this situation? If you have that thought, okay, in this situation, what would Jesus do? And then you go and do it, you're acting on his behalf. You're doing what he would do in that situation. And that's what we're being called to, to do it in the name of Jesus. And so when we get into situations, the first thought is, if Jesus was here right now, if, if you know, it wasn't me and it was Jesus instead, what would he do? And then... Not only that, which is a powerful enough motivation in itself, we'll also find in, in verse 23, just a couple verses down, it says this, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. So this one tells us that whatever we do, do it with all your heart as working for the Lord. That second truth is that we should do everything as if we are doing it for Jesus, as if the one that is in front of us is Jesus himself. So we're supposed to do something as Jesus would do it, and then we're supposed to do everything as if it's Jesus asking us to do it, or if it's, it's him that, that, is, you know, that we're serving. And so in every situation, it's two questions run through our mind. You know, when you're in the situation, number one, what if I were Christ? What would I do? And the second is, what if they were Christ? What would I do? What if the person that I'm serving was Christ? What would I do in that situation? Those two things together put us in a very, very powerful position to serve others wholeheartedly. 
because we see the, the value that Jesus puts on this, the value of serving others and going out in the world to do good and to be kind in His name. And those that we serve are Him in disguise. What an amazing thing. There's a really powerful story I came across today in one of the books I was reading. Uh, it's a guy named uh, Richard uh, Wurmband. is Romanian a Romanian pastor who was imprisoned and tortured under, communist, under the communist regime. And he tells of how one day he was back in a cell with other people after he had been tortured. It was freezing cold and he was hugging his only blanket for warmth. Then he saw another prisoner shivering with cold in the corner with no blanket. He hugged his own bank blanket more closely to himself until the thought came into his mind, if that were Christ, would you give him your blanket? The question answered itself and the man gave, uh, and he gave the man his blanket. This, this pastor goes on to, to be released from prison. He writes a book. I think it's by the same name. Uh, if that were Christ, would you give him your blanket? What an, I mean, that is a humbling, humbling idea. To give to the, that extent is powerful. And we need to be willing to, to consider that type of attitude of heart and mind to birth the, the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit of kindness in our heart as well. And when we look not only at kindness but goodness, it, it further just solidifies the truth. Because like I said in the beginning, there's not a huge distinction between kindness and goodness, except to say that goodness has a quality about it that has absolutely to do with doing good deeds in this world. But added to it is an extension of, of being a person of integrity, being a person of trustworthiness. There's a sturdiness to your quality. There's an integrity to your heart that you have a commitment to doing what is right despite what may, what the, 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 the evil outcomes that may come. You have a commitment to righteousness about you and that fuels you and pushes you forward in this life, not only in spiritual matters but also in secular matters that you just have a spirit of excellence about you, that you are good. You are good in all manner and in all regards. You seek to do what is good. And, and, and this, by extension, will touch more upon faithfulness because faithfulness is next week. And, and, and you know, this idea of integrity and tr trustworthiness will, will flow into that as well. And so there's a chain that's developing here for sure. But if you want to study goodness and, and, and Christ, the Christian, the way that the life of a Christian is, is molded, by good, the, just the idea of what is good and how should I shape my life around adopting goodness as, as a, you know, a, a mode of living. Study the book of Titus. Titus is a very short book and yet you'll be amazed how much they will pack into those verses about you know, following good and, and, and all different ways of interacting with good as a principle, as a Christian. It's amazing. and so. That's the second book that I encourage you to study this week is the book of Titus. And just read through Titus and see all the different ways that good comes up. It's, it's amazing as well. We are to be light in this world. And the light that we are called to, to shine is out of the goodness that we are called to have. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells us that you are the light of the world, that by your good deeds, um, people will glorify your Father in heaven.
there's, it's this <clears throat> incredible privilege that we have that our actions will give glory to God. And if God is good, that He is glorified by our goodness because our goodness makes Him more visible in this world because it, we are displaying uh, something that is a characteristic of His. And Isaiah chapter 51 uh, gives us a strong language uh, for us to, to hold on to as well. We have with God because He has shown such grace to us. We, by extension, show grace to others as well. Uh, Christopher Wright says this, As people saved by grace, we are to be people committed to being and doing what is good and right in our personal and public lives, in the church and in the world. We are to be trophies of the grace of God. That's an amazing privilege. Think about what a trophy does. A trophy is supposed to display your glory. If you win a trophy, you get it as a way of, of a symbol of your glory, of your power, of your, of your uh, prowess, whatever it is. We are the trophies of God's grace. Because of His grace, we shine to the world around us, showing the, the grace of God and glorifying Him. Oh, uh, Arrhenius says this, the glory of God is man made fully alive. That is a powerful and amazing truth. The glory of God is man made fully alive. That is what it means to be indwelled with the Holy Spirit, that we have had this filling and now we have been made fully alive, fully human, and we can go out and do these things. We can be kind and we can be good as the work of the Holy Spirit bears fruit in our heart. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this amazing truth and we pray, Lord, that you help us to first and foremost develop this relationship we have with you and then may we habitually, may we by instinct, may we just by natural extension flow out into this world as light, as salt, as, as those who desire to do kindness and look for kind opportunities to be kind those who desire to do good and look for opportunities to, to do good. We pray, Lord, you help us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. If you'd like to find out more about us, please visit our church website. It's peoplesmontreal.org peoplesmontreal.org there you'll find links to our meeting times and our location find contact information for our pastors and leaders and you'll find a whole library of sermons and resources to enjoy as well thanks again for listening hope you have a good day god bless you